This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Here's your money briefing for Friday, March 1st. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. There's no shortage of numbers and headlines telling us about the health of the economy. Turns out, many people form their opinion about the economy, not by what they read, but by what's going on with their friends. If I'm someone who finds out that I'm making more income than my friends, I'm going to feel great about myself. But if I find out that they actually have lower debt loads than I do, I'm going to feel worse about myself. And this sort of speaks to why looking at the people immediately around you and judging yourself based on that gives you this skewed perception. We'll talk to Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter Julia Carpenter after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The way our friends approach their finances can make us feel differently about our own situation. Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter Julia Carpenter joins me. Julia, there's this divide between what consumers are feeling about the economy and what the numbers tell us. What's causing this? Research shows that we often take our cues from the people immediately around us. So our friends and our peer networks. And when I was telling an editor about this story, she said, it's like everyone lives in their own microeconomy. And I think she's totally right. If you are in a community where you see things going great, everyone's businesses are doing well, your spending is up, their spending is up, you feel good. If you're in a workplace where there have been layoffs recently, or you're in an industry where CEOs are sending emails that are scary, then you feel bad. And you don't connect those two different realities together. Are there particular areas of personal finances that people often compare to their friends and their peers? The number one thing is income. The other thing is debt. So there's an incredible study out, and I interview some of the researchers for this piece, looking at how we assess and rank ourselves within those peer groups. So if I'm someone who finds out that I'm making more income than my friends, I'm going to feel great about myself. But if I find out that they actually have lower debt loads than I do, I'm going to feel worse about myself. And this sort of speaks to why looking at the people immediately around you and judging yourself based on that gives you this skewed perception. Is there more to know beyond just those top line numbers? Totally. Think about what people give as the highlights and think about what they conceal. Someone's income might be high, but they might carry a lot of debt. Someone's debt might be high, but maybe it's because they just bought a house. There's so many different stories and contexts behind those. But as humans, we're only taking the things that then correlate to how we feel about ourselves. 
What role does social media play in the way people view their microeconomic situation versus the broader economy? This is the complication <laughs> because social media makes us think that our world is bigger than it actually is. Whereas if anybody has spent a lot of time on Instagram knows, you're really only seeing people who are like you, mostly. You're also being served by the algorithms, people who are like you. So they know what you are scrolling and clicking on, and then you're mostly just magnifying that same portal. I spoke with a professor of marketing at the University of Michigan, and he said that we are probably overestimating the number of perspectives we're exposed to. Is it also true that people tend to post when things are going really well in their lives as opposed to, oh my God, I lost my job. Oh my goodness, I have no money. We definitely know that. And I interviewed a woman named Christy. She's a business owner in Texas. And she said that once she sort of realized that, that's when she noticed how it had been affecting her. When she noticed that mostly people were posting the highlight reels, she could then check that impulse in herself and think, wait, wait. I'm seeing everybody posting glamorous vacations, beach houses, new cars, all of these things. But does that relate to me and my goals? No. Why am I so affected by it? There are certainly sources of economic news that people can turn to to find out how the economy is actually doing. There are so many, an endless stream of statistics and charts and podcasts, right? But does that make it any easier to gauge the health of the economy? Oftentimes, it's information overload. We're getting all of these information inputs from our friends, others from podcasts like this one, and then others from conversations at our job. All these different things are coming together to create this bigger picture, and it just leads to a lot of confusion. So we default to thinking, okay, how is this affecting me? Where do I sit within my peer group? Okay, check, done. So how does somebody wade through that and find out what they really need to know that can be beneficial to them? to counteract an incorrect impression of the economy. I spoke with financial advisors about this. They mostly said it's about staying true to your goals. So if your goal, I'll go back to Christy's example, is to fund your kid's college education, not to buy a beach house, then when you see everyone posting beach house pics, you can think, you know what, that's not my goal. My goal right now is to put my kids through college. Pushing that aside, focusing on this, am I able to put my kids through college? What is my individual household financial picture? Okay, I'm in a good position to put my kids through college. Then you can sort of correct and feel better about that. Her husband made a really good point, though. He made a good point that you have to balance both things. He said you have to have the 1,000-foot view and the smaller view. And especially for them, they're small business owners, they have to think about how their business is affecting their personal finances, but also the financial health of their greater community and that of their employees. So it's a lot to juggle all at once, but holding both pictures, the micro view and the bigger view, is the key to feeling like you have a, a grasp on what's happening. And that can help them toward a basic tenet of personal finance we talk about all the time. And that is to be able to set financial goals for yourself. And setting the goals and understanding the economy, those things are intertwined, right? So if you're thinking, my goal this year is to buy a house. Oh, no, everyone's telling me it's a really bad time to buy a house. Then you'll think, all right, that's not my goal for right now. But maybe for you, maybe depending on your area, depending on the down payment you have saved, maybe depending on if you already own or if you don't own, it's a really good time to buy a house. Nina O'Neill, an advisor I spoke with, said that staying focused on your goal and how these different things are influencing your goal and affecting your ability to meet it is the best thing to do. That's Wall Street Journal reporter Julia Carpenter. And that's it for your money briefing. 
Today's show is produced by Ariana Osprew. I'm your host, J.R. Whalen. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval wrote our theme music. Our supervising producer is Melanie Roy. Aisha Al-Muslim is our development producer. Scott Salloway and Chris Zinsley are our deputy editors. And Falana Patterson is the Wall Street Journal's head of news audio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>